0: Language Learning, a Truly Educational Experience, was given on June 13th of 2017 by Ray T. Clifford, then Director of the Center for Language Studies and an Associate Dean of the College of Humanities at Brigham Young University.
1: Internationally, BYU is known as the Language University. The 2017 edition of the pamphlet Why Facts reports that 65% of BYU students speak more than one language. Let's do a quick survey to see if those assembled here today are representative of BYU students in general. If you know more than one language, raise your hand, please. Wow, super group. I hope you realize how extraordinary it is that you have been given the gift of being able to communicate in more than one language. Think about it. More than one language. Language is the most complex of all human behaviors, and you can communicate in more than one language. Now, since we can all read English, I'd like to demonstrate the complexity of language by giving you a simple English test. Can you read this sign aloud? Okay, you said St. Paul Street, and your response was very quick, it was accurate, That's a simple task, right? Now explain to the person sitting next to you a rule for determining what the abbreviation ST stands for in English. (laughs) Did you get it? Maybe you came up with the rule ST before a noun stands for saint, and St after a noun is an abbreviation for street. Sound okay? Now test that rule, test your rule, on the following street sign that I saw near Disneyland in California. Somebody got it right. State College Street, see there is no saint college. So now we have to refine our rule for for the pronunciation of the abbreviation "st." You see, even simple language is complex. Language is so complex that we are often hard-pressed to explain how it operates. Yet we are generally unaware of how complex it really is. In some ways, language is like the air we breathe. We don't pay attention to it unless there's something wrong with it. Because people don't pay attention to language unless there's something wrong with it You should not take compliments about your language skills too seriously (laughs) The fact that someone complimented you on your language is an indication that they noticed it and that happens when there is something wrong with it (laughs) Early in my mission in Austria, I was quite confident of my German language ability in fact, several members had told me how well I spoke German. Then one Sunday, I said a prayer in sacrament meeting and afterwards I heard members commenting on my language skills. One sister offered the critique, "War das nicht lieb, genau wie ein kleines Kind?" which means, "Wasn't that sweet, just like a little child?" The sister who made that comment was too kind to ever provide that honest feedback to me personally, so I was grateful that I had overheard the comment she made to others. Her candid assessment let me know that I needed to improve my language skills. Another mission experience taught me how complicated it is to translate a concept from one language to another. Now, one of the best interpreters I've ever observed was Imo Lushin. At a regional conference in Vienna, Austria, Brother Lusheen had been asked to interpret the visiting speaker's English remarks into German. Outside, snow was falling, and inside the chapel, the heating system was struggling to keep up with the cold weather. Noticing that those in attendance were shivering, the speaker began his remarks with the comment, brothers and sisters, I see that many are cold, but few are frozen. Place yourself now in the place of Brother Mm Lusheen. If you had been the interpreter, how would you have interpreted that pun? Without a pause, Brother Lusheen said in German, Our speaker has just made a marvelous play on words which cannot be translated. (laughs) Would everyone please laugh? Surprised by the request, the congregation laughed spontaneously. (laughs) And the speaker proceeded, oblivious to both the challenge he had given to the interpreter and how skillfully that challenge had been handled. (laughs) From that and other experiences with translation, I have concluded that when translating from one complex language to another complex language, the challenge one faces is a challenge that might best be described mathematically. Not as complexity plus complexity, but as complexity times complexity, or complexity squared. Now, Because language is the most complex of human behaviors, it follows that language learning presents a formidable challenge. In fact, language study is a discipline that supports all four of the aims of a BYU education. As you know, a BYU education should be spiritually strengthening, intellectually enlarging, and character building, leading to lifelong learning and service. Let's see how language learning supports each of those four aims. Aim number one, language learning is spiritually strengthening. Reading the scriptures in more than one language gives you a more nuanced and fuller understanding of their intent than you can get from reading them in only one language. Joseph Smith possessed a multilingual Bible, and in one speech he reported, I have an old edition of the New Testament in the Latin, Hebrew, German, and Greek languages. I have been reading the German and find it to be the most nearly correct translation and to correspond nearest to the revelations which God has given me. This comment from Joseph Smith also shows the value of having a translator who understands the content of what is being translated. When translators do not know the intended meaning of the original text, aberrations will occur. Joseph's awareness of the sometimes conflicting translations of the Bible likely contributed to the caveat in the eighth article of faith, that we believe the Bible to be the word of God as far as it is translated correctly. As Quintin L. Cook pointed out in his April 2017 General Conference address, the Greek word translated as virtue in Luke chapter 8 verse 46 in the English Bible is translated as power in the Spanish and Portuguese versions of that scripture. We do not know why the translators of the King James Bible chose to use the word virtue instead of power in Luke 8:46 but we do know that they translated the very same greek word as power when they translated it in matthew chapter 6 verse 13 which contains the familiar wording for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever as joseph smith found misalignments between different translations of bible texts are the results of choices made by translators and those differences invite further study to determine which translation best aligns with the revealed truths of the restored gospel. Aim number two. Language study is intellectually enlarging. The Austrian philosopher Ludwig Wittgenstein wrote, The limits of my language mean the limits of my world. Even here, there is a translation issue. Although Bedeuten in the original German is usually translated with the English word mean, when talking about boundaries or borders, I think the word define is more consistent with the intent of the original statement, and one might even argue for the use of the word determine. The limits of my language determine the limits of my world. While Wittgenstein's rationale for this postulate is philosophically more complicated than most realize the implication that someone with ability in more than one language can operate in more areas of the world is easily grasped. John Taylor put the relationship between the breadth of our language and the breadth of our perceived intellect much more bluntly. Speaking at General Conference in 1852, he said, it is good for the elders to become acquainted with the languages, for they may have to go abroad and should be able to talk to the people and not look like fools. I care not how much intelligence you have. If you cannot exhibit it, you look like an ignoramus. Some of you may be asking yourselves, wait, wait, what about the gift of tongues? Elder Taylor anticipated your question. In the same talk, he goes on to say, you may say I thought the Lord would give us the gift of tongues. He won't if we are too indolent to study them. Now, we can understand how serving a foreign language speaking mission can expand one's intellectual and cultural horizons, but it has been difficult to quantify the extent of that intellectual growth. When I arrived at BYU in 2004, I repeatedly heard the question, how well do returning missionaries speak the language they learned during their missionary service? We have been trying to answer that question. To support that research, we have been testing returned missionaries using internationally recognized proficiency tests that are based on a hierarchy of functional communication ability. I have summarized the major levels of that proficiency scale that uh, that is used in those scales in the following chart. Now rate yourself. Notice that this scale describes one's spontaneous, sustained level of language ability, not one's rehearsed or memorized abilities. So how would you rate your own language proficiency? Which statement best fits your ability level? Novice, I can communicate main ideas using words and phrases. Intermediate, I can communicate in sentence-length exchanges such as informal questions and answer situations. Advanced, I can communicate factual information and supporting details in paragraphs woven into cohesive, lengthy narrations and descriptions and superior, I can spontaneously deliver elaborate explanations and abstract reasoning and extended presentations and discussions. If you are a returned missionary and rated yourself as an advanced speaker, you are probably right. So results from our initial research are summarized in the chart that you're going to see now. The chart compares the proficiency results of 391 recently returned missionaries studying at BYU with the proficiency levels of 501 non-BYU students who were junior and senior year language majors studying at five large liberal arts colleges with study abroad programs. As this chart shows, on average, returned missionaries are more proficient speakers of their second language than our majors graduating from large U.S. universities. That is good news. But we must remember that despite having developed a significant level of conversational fluency, the speech of returned missionaries showed consistent patterns of grammatical and vocabulary deficiencies. Not a surprise to you, is it? And those deficiencies limited their ability to communicate clearly about nuanced, complicated subjects. As the right bar on the chart shows, look clear to the right, only 6% of the returned missionaries had attained a superior level of proficiency. That is an important threshold because the superior level of proficiency is the level required for professional jobs in diplomacy, business, higher education. All language majors at BYU now take proficiency tests as part of their senior capstone course and the data show that further language study at BYU adds value, is intellectually enlarging, and improves students' language proficiency. Aim number three, language study is character building. What builds character? In my experience, for an activity to build character, it must meet three criteria. It must be inherently good, it must require a concerted effort, and it must demand perseverance over an extended period of time. Language study meets all three of these character-building prerequisites. First, we know that language learning is good. In Doctrine and Covenants section 90, verse 15, we read, Become acquainted with all good books. And as a reminder that not all good books are written in English, the verse adds, and with languages, tongues, and people. Secondly, studies show that learning takes effort. In the stairway between the third and fourth levels of the Harold B. Lee Library is a framed copy of Doctrine and Covenants section 88, verse 118. As a student at BYU, I would read that reference every time I exited the library after a long night of study. In particular, the last line caught my attention, Seek learning, even by study, and also by faith. I remember asking myself, why did this revelation include the word even? Wouldn't it be sufficient to say, seek learning by study and by faith? Was the word even added in order to emphasize that not only that also in education, faith without works is dead? In any case, the phrase, even by study, became a slogan and a guiding principle during my educational pursuits. Of course, faith is also necessary, it provides ongoing motivation for us to persevere in our studies. But expecting to learn by faith alone is not realistic. Remember the advice of John Taylor that we won't be given the gift of tongues unless we study languages. Thirdly, language learning requires perseverance. Perhaps you have heard of the popular notion called the 10,000 hour rule. That quote unquote rule suggests that to become an expert at anything requires about 10,000 hours of effort. Since many missionaries have studied and practiced their mission language for 40 to 60 hours per week for up to two years, they may have devoted between 4,000 and 6,000 hours of study to their language mission, to their mission language. So by the time they return, they could have amassed half of the 10,000 hours needed to become an expert in that language. They are halfway to becoming language experts. And if they persevere, they can become experts. The expectation that learners will devote thousands of hours to the acquisition of language skills clearly meets the third criterion for building character, perseverance over an extended period of time. Erickson and Poole, the authors of the research which others generalized as the 10,000-hour rule, continue to reject that oversimplification of their findings. They remind us that just spending time is not enough to become an expert. Attending 10,000 hours of piano concerts will not automatically turn you into a concert pianist. Just attending 10,000 hours of church meetings, the equivalent of attending a three-hour block of church meetings every week for 64 years, will not automatically turn you into a celestial person. According to Erickson and Poole, the key to becoming an expert is not just spending time but engaging in, quote, deliberate practice, unquote. Deliberate practice is different from other types of practice in two essential ways. Yes, it's only possible to become an expert with deliberate practice, but deliberate practice is only possible if there are established criteria for superior performance and teachers... Who can provide practice activities designed to help a student improve his or her performance. Language study at BYU meets these criteria. The field of language study is a professional discipline with well-developed standards of superior performance. And BYU has more faculty with expertise in bringing learners to the superior level of language proficiency than you can find at any other university. As suggested by the need for deliberate practice, advanced language learning is not a do-it-yourself project. But the resources are available to improve your skills. So take the pledge. I won't let my language languish. Say that ten times quickly. BYU has many options for continued language study, and more options are being developed. I see a time when every BYU student will have the opportunity for advanced study of a second language, whether that be a language learned on a mission, a language spoken at home, a language learned through formal study, or a language acquired through other life experiences. These opportunities will be structured as language programs that complement students' chosen academic disciplines. To accomplish this, our language programs will have multiple competency-based entrance and exit options, and will offer both undergraduate and graduate instructional options. Aim number four, language study leads to lifelong learning and service. Just as having the ability to communicate in another language will expand your intellectual horizons, knowing another language will have a multiplier effect on your post-BYU opportunities for service and for lifelong learning. When we hear the word service, our first thoughts are likely to turn to the service opportunities in the church, and they are plentiful. However, service and learning opportunities abound in our vocations as well. For my entire life, there has been a shortage of individuals with expertise in languages. As a 1979 report to the President of the United States concluded, Americans' incompetence in foreign languages is nothing short of scandalous, and it is becoming worse. Parallel conclusions were reached this year in a report by the National Commission on Language Learning. Regardless of where you serve, your language skills will make that service personally rewarding. You will get to know and to love other peoples, and will do so with a depth of feeling and understanding that would not otherwise be possible. In conclusion, I'd like to comment on another language that is available to us all, but is a foreign language to most of the world's inhabitants. It is the language that Joseph B. Worthlin called the language of the spirit. Elder Wortland describes that language as follows. There is a mighty power that transcends the power of messages conveyed by words alone. And this is the power of messages communicated by the Spirit to our hearts. Of all the world's languages, it is the language of the Spirit that best satisfies the aims of a BYU education. I have personally experienced the language of the Spirit in my life, and I know it exists. I'd like to share with you some personal examples. After five years of marriage, my wife and I had not been able to have children. So we applied to adopt a child through LDS Social Services. We had been told that the process would take about two years. After only six months, my wife Karen informed me one morning that our baby had been born. She knew this had happened by a communication of the Spirit. She had just had a dream in which a beautiful, blonde baby girl had come from heaven to be in our home. She asked if I would come home early that day so we could go shopping for baby clothes, diapers, a baby carrier, and a bath and net. Later that afternoon, as we returned from shopping, I was just unlocking the door to our apartment, and the phone began to ring. It was the adoption agency. Calling to tell, inform us that a baby had been born that night before, and then when they had prayed about placing the child, they felt inspired that this child was meant to be part of our family. Decades later, When I was working as the Chancellor of the Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California, I was informed that BYU would be hiring a director for a newly created Center for Language Studies. I did a pros and cons analysis of my options and quickly concluded that leaving my position in Monterey did not make sense. The logic of that conclusion was incontrovertible, but the spirit kept nagging me to reconsider. In response to those promptings of the Spirit, I went to the temple and prayed for guidance. Should I apply for the BYU position was my simple question. The Spirit's answer was immediate and direct. Yes, and when you apply, you will get the position. I have never gone into a job interview with such confidence as I did for that (laughs) BYU position. Almost two years ago, I placed my hands on my wife's head, and with the assurance of the Holy Spirit, I confidently blessed her that she would fully recover from the cancer with which she had just been diagnosed. That blessing has been fulfilled. And earlier this month, my wife and I gratefully celebrated our 51st wedding anniversary. Yes, learning other languages is important, but becoming proficient in the language of the Spirit should be our top priority. Brothers and sisters, I know the gospel is true, and I leave that witness with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: You've been listening to the By Study and By Faith podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage.